Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. All right, today's the last Sunday for this study. I just want to let you know it has been a privilege, and I hope that in the future, things come to your remembrance that were spoken during these five weeks. Our focus is since his word is unbreakable. Stuart, you want to take the offering? Dad would say, do not forget Sunday school offering. Since his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. So a recap of last week. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation, not limited condemnation, not appropriate condemnation. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Sin is often referred to as a debt in Scripture, and the enemy wants to taunt us with a spiritual debt clock. But when Jesus hung in the balance between heaven and earth, carrying our sins, he said the words, it is finished. At that moment, there was no more separation. The veil of the temple was rent into no more condemnation. We spoke about the promise in Acts 1 and 8, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We spoke of how the Holy Spirit helps us in our private and our personal walk with the Lord. The Holy Spirit gives us a push. He gives us power, unity, supervision, and holiness. And this morning, the first promise we're going to discuss is found in Psalms 30 and 5 from the New Living Translation. The first of it, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is coming. How many times... Do you turn on the news, pick up a paper? If you have Facebook, you open up Facebook, and you see that someone has suddenly passed. This person wasn't stricken with cancer or some awful other terminal disease that we hear of, but instead, their life was diseased, filled with sadness, depression, a loss, total lack of hope, until finally they couldn't take it any longer, and they took their own life. Remember our first Sunday, we said that since 1999, the suicide rate has increased 24%. Those individuals were in need of the hope of Jesus. You know, pretty much everybody can give a good pep talk. I'm a talker, man. I can talk. And you know, sometimes a pep talk can get you through a rough patch. A motivational speaker can help you through a hard time. But what about those people that have had an abusive childhood chronic pain, emotional trauma, public ridicule. They need more than motivation, right? They need help. Where does the help come from? Only Jesus. God has a word for the broken, tired, and the weary soul. The promise of Psalms 35 begins with, weeping may last through the night. We know that part, right? Ask the lady that just lost her husband. The mom in the emergency room with her child stricken with a terrible, terrible disease. The teenager that lost their way. They could tell you weeping lasts through the night, night after night after night. But that's not the end of the verse. The end of the verse says, joy comes in the morning. Despair and sorrow won't last forever. My brother used to sing a song that said, hold on my child, joy comes in the morning. Weeping only lasts for the night. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. The darkest hour means dawn is just in sight. 
So where are you right now in life? Have you had some nights that you're weeping, that you're crying, that you've asked God time and time again, why is this happening to me? And when is joy going to come? Have you asked God that? Mary Magdalene did. Luke 8 and 2 tells the story about her. Before she knew Jesus, she had seven demons. So you just wonder, what were some of the afflictions that she suffered? Could it have been depression, loneliness, abuse, abandonment? A life completely consumed with sorrow until she met the master. When she met him, everything changed. He spoke and the demons fled. I imagine for the first time in a long time, she was able to lay her head down that night and sleep. Jesus breathed life into her. He resuscitated her. We know much about her story. She followed Jesus, watched him perform miracles, watched him teach, helped support him. John 19, 25 says that she stood near the cross. So we're going to read just a little bit about that this morning. On Friday, Mary Magdalene watched Jesus die. On Saturday, she observed a very sad Sabbath. When Sunday came, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to finish the work she began on Friday. Early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark. She knew nothing of an empty tomb. She came with no other reason than to wash the remaining clots of blood from his beard and say goodbye. It was a dark morning. When she arrived at the tomb, bad news got worse. Mary Magdalene saw that the stone was gone away. Can you imagine how she felt? Bad to worse, right? Assuming grave robbers had came and taken the body of her Lord. They've taken him away, she said. She stood outside the tomb weeping. They've taken him away. Her world hit rock bottom. Her master had been murdered. His body buried in a borrowed tomb. The tomb robbed. His body stolen. And two strangers are sitting on the slab, she's thinking. Bad to worse. Have you had a moment like that? Things are bad, and then the bottom drops out, right? John 20, 14 to 15 says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She didn't recognize him, so you know what Jesus did? He called her name. There's nothing like when your dad says your name, is it? When dad said, Judy Lynn, I knew that voice. When Jesus said, Mary, she knew the voice. Was it because of the way that he said it, or was it because of that connection? The history, the relationship that was spoken, she knew who it was at that time. She heard him call her name. She knew the source. She turned to him and said, Rabboni, teacher. In a second, in the pivot of a neck, in that moment of time, weeping, it had lasted through nights. But joy, joy had come. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken things to her. Of all the people that Jesus could have spoken to, Mary Magdalene, he had just ripped the gates of hell off their hinges, yanked the fangs out of Satan's mouth, turned B.C. into A.D., the undisputed king of the universe. Why did he speak to Mary, this heartbroken woman who had once had seven demons? Why her? Could it maybe have been because now we know this story? Jesus went to Mary Magdalene 
And we can say with her, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. When you don't recognize his face, listen for the voice. You are everything to God. You are everything to God. The enemy wants you to think that Jesus is upset with you. Wants you to think that you don't matter. But the good news is, is you mean everything to him. He doesn't love us because of what we've done. Remember, it's about what Jesus did. John 3.16 again said, For God so loved the world, each and every one of us. And 1 John 1 and 9 says, We love him because he first loved us. The enemy wants to make us believe that God is mad at us, vindictive, and will make you pay when you mess up, but it's not so. I'm going to read you Psalms 103 from the Message Bible. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. It's rich in love. He doesn't nag and scold nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins would deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so strong is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the sunrise is from the sunset, he has separated us from our sins. As parents feel to their children, so God feels for those who fear him. You hear stories of people, and you have stories in your own life of tragedies, hard times that you've went through, and how God moved for you. And how he turned that night and that sorrow into joy. But I want to tell you a story this morning about a lady that's talked of in this book. Her name is Mary Cushman. And she lived during the time of the Depression. I want you to listen to some of her story. The Depression of the 1930s had all but devastated her family. Her husband's average paycheck shrank to $18 a week. And he was given to illness so many weeks they didn't even have that much. She began to take in laundry and do ironing. She dressed her five kids with Salvation Army clothing. And at one point, the local grocer, to whom they owed $50, accused her 11-year-old son of stealing. And that was all she could stand. I couldn't see any hope, she said. So I shut off my washing machine. I took my little five-year-old daughter into the bedroom. I plugged up the windows and cracks with paper and rags. I turned on the gas heater we had in the bedroom, but she didn't light it. They laid on the bed, and her daughter said, Mommy, this is funny. We just got up. She said, It's okay. We're just going to take a little nap. She said, I closed my eyes listening to the gas escape from the heater. I shall never forget the smell of gas. But then something happened. Suddenly, I heard music. She remembered she forgot to turn the radio off. And she heard someone singing. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Coincidence? You came too late. She said, as I listened to the hymn, I realized... I made a tragic mistake. Listen to this. I had tried to fight all my terrible battles alone. How many times do we do that? How many times do we make us a list and say, if I can do this and this and this, I'm going to turn this thing around. God does not want us berating ourselves and worrying ourselves day after day after day, taking the load upon us. 
He is going to bear our burdens. She went on to explain how she spent the rest of the day giving thanks to God for the blessings she had forgotten. That's what the enemy does. When something bad happens, all of a sudden you forget everything else good in your life. The focus becomes that bad thing. That's what the enemy wants. But what have we talked about? Setting your focus. They eventually lost their home, but she never lost hope. They weathered the depression. Her five kids grew up, had children of their own. She says, as I look back on that terrible day when I turned on the gas, I thank God over and over and over that I woke up in time. What joys I would have missed, how many wonderful years I would have forfeited. She said, if you ever get to that place, just don't do it. There are dark, terrible times, but then comes the light. Joy comes. It came to Mary Magdalene. It came to Mary Cushman. It's come to me. You can testify it's come to you, and it will come again. My dad preached a sermon years ago. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. How many times do you feel like this is never going to end? I'm never going to get through this. Just hold on. Joy is coming in the morning. Just hold on. The second promise is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 40, 54. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Yes. Hebrews tells us it is appointed unto man once to die. Some people say so-and-so just passed away. Other people say so-and-so just passed on. Pamela's not here this morning. But about 5.31 morning, almost five years ago now, she sent me a message. But you know how she said it? She said, Will has been to, went to be with Jesus. Went to be with Jesus. Many people sadly think that when your heart stops here, it's over. It's the end. For believers, it is only the beginning. People of promise hold on to the unshakable hope that hinges on the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection changed everything. Jesus went on a resurrection tour. Just as God raised Jesus, he's going to raise us. We believe that according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We don't believe we have a waiting period. Luke 23, 43 says Jesus told the thief on the cross, what? Today, not tomorrow and not a little bit later. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. Max tells a story of a friend that he lost, and the doctors were able to resuscitate him three times. Two times, I'm sorry, before he passed. But after that first time, his wife came close, and the man said, come with me. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. He caught a glimpse of that place. My dad had a preacher friend that passed away. But before he did, he had experiences like that as well. And he said the same thing. He said it's the most beautiful place. And he spoke of the fields covered in the most beautiful flowers. People that have been there talk about how pretty it is. We read in the scripture how marvelous it's going to be. My mom lost her mother um, way sooner than she should have. My mom's mom was like 52 when she passed. But years before that, 
she worked downtown Louisville and there was a gas explosion and when it did, it, it basically took the whole uh, neighborhood out where she worked. So my grandmother um, was pinned under blocks and bricks and all this rubbish for hours and hours. She survived, but after that, um, she was pretty much bedridden. When they were able to get her up, uh, as old timers would say, she was stooped over. And because of the fire and the explosion and she was burned, only half of her hair was able to grow a hair. My mom went to church with her aunt and her grandmother. So my mom being mom, a few years back, it really bothered her. She wanted to know her mom was okay, that her mom was in the presence of the Lord because she didn't grow up knowing her mom taking her to church. So she just wanted that assurance. So she began to talk to the Lord about it, and God, being as gracious as he is, let my mom have a dream. And she saw my grandmother in heaven, and she said it was the most beautiful place and she said, Judy, my mom was standing up straight, standing up straight, tall, strong. And she said she had the most beautiful long hair. And she said it was on both sides of her head, Judy, both sides. What peace, what peace. Isn't God so good that he would just give you a glimpse of that? And I know my grandmother's there. I never even met her. But when my mom was on her journey home, she said, I saw mom today. I saw mom today. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. That paradise is just the beginning. The final age is when Christ returns. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. That's another word that just got me this week. We will ever be, not just for a short time, but from here on, we're going to be with the Lord. The cemeteries, graves are going to burst open. You think, how in the world... Some of these people have been gone forever. Their bodies being natural have decayed. Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44 says, So it is with the re resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. You think you've seen your best on your best day? You've not seen it yet. On that day, no pain, no suffering. Nobody's going to be overweight. Nobody's going to be underweight. You ain't going to have arthritis in your joints. Not going to have bad knee. Not going to have to worry about what you can or can't remember. Everything is restored. Everything. But if you think about how good you're going to be as a saint of God, then think about this world. This world and the land is going to be back as what it was meant to be. Isaiah 11 and 6 says, The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb, 
and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf, and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child will lead them. If you didn't believe, you'd almost think that's a fairy tale, wouldn't you? But it's real. Revelation 22 and 3 tells us there will no longer be any curse and no more struggle on earth. Now, when we lose a loved one, we weep, we mourn, our heart is broken. It's not for them, it's for us. But hold on to the promise that this is not the end. The tomb did not hold Jesus, and the grave won't hold you either. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18 says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is not what is unseen. Since it is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. There's those words again. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. Your finest moment will be your final moment. And if the Lord tarries, all of us are going to get there, right? And when we do, Jesus will lead us through the valley of death. Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I've always just quoted that scripture. It's one of those scriptures actually you learn as a young child, honestly. But this week the Lord brought it to my mind and I thought, okay, I know what a staff looked. What exactly was that rod? And you guys may know, and if you do, I'm just going to remind you. But the rod literally is like a rod, like a club, okay? So the shepherd keeps both of those with him. With, that, with the rod, he uses it to push wild animals away, okay? He pushes them away, but then when he needs to, he can prod the sheep back to the fold. And then there's those that are a little bit more stubborn for those. I was probably one of those. He has to use the staff. It's got a little bit longer, so he can push us, pull us. And then when he needs to get us from safety into safety, he can use that hook with us. So I thought about <clears throat> when my dad was on his journey home. I believe this scripture, so how did that relate? I'll tell you how it related. As long as there's breath in your body, the enemy's going to fight you. If you know anything about my dad, you know that what he did for the Lord was more than I could ever think of doing yet as he lay on that bed on his journey he kept telling us I've not done enough I've not done enough what if God tells me I've not done enough I thought are you kidding me but I thought about that and I thought even then the shepherd's got the rod he's pushing the enemy back pushing him back and then you remember last week we talked about the Holy Spirit in our lives and how sometimes he asks you to do things for people. And many times he'll have you get a word. As my dad lay there on that bed feeling like he had not done enough and was worried if he would be welcomed in, Brandon went to his bedside and began to speak truth into his ear. Not just because he was his grandson, but because he's Holy Ghost filled. 
the Lord gave him the words to speak to this man on his journey. And I've shared this before, but you know, it's, it's last Sunday, so I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I thought about telling you once more about what happened when my dad left. The nurse told me, she said, she was a Christian, and she said, Honey, there's a big difference when a believer leaves and a non-believer. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't have a clue. I've never been there. But my dad had been on this journey for several weeks, um, and my sister was in. We were staying pretty much around the clock. That morning, I said, well, I'm going to go to work for a little while, and I'll come back. I no sooner got to the office than my sister called, and she said, you need to come because I think it's soon. So I just, I just left. And when I got there, the nurse said it won't be very long. She said his breaths are very shallow. I said, okay. So I sat on one side of the bed, and my sister sat on the other, and I do what I do. I started praying. And I had my head down, and I was praying, and you could just feel the presence of God in that room. And for weeks, we had been playing my, Herschel's, uh, my brother Herschel's CD. So God was welcome in that room. I think it's very important. When I said, Stuart, if I go before you, I want praise music playing when I'm on my journey. So we had that going on, and I put my head down, and I was praying, and I could, I could hear my sister praying. And then she stopped, and she said, Judy, do you see what I see? Why well, am my eyes closed. No. So I opened my eyes. I promise you, it was as if Jesus had stepped into that room. The body of my dad that had been grayed because he was leaving, literally it was like somebody had a light inside of him. He glowed. And you just watched as that light went from here up. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit filled that room. I began praying in the Spirit, and it was, it was just an amazing, amazing thing. And I think at that moment, again, it's, it's, I guess you'd say my class today, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. But I thought about that, and I thought about that song that simply said, What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Death will be swallowed up in victory. It is not when my heart stops here, it's over. My dad always said, when they tell you I'm dead and gone, don't you believe it. I'll be more alive than I've ever been. We will be in the presence of an almighty God. An almighty God. What a day. What a day. There are seasons in our life where we weep and we mourn and we travail. We are in agony night after night after night. But hold on, star. Joy's coming. As this song says, when he walks in the room... Everything changes. Everything changes. And one day, death will be swallowed up in victory. We're building our lives on the promises of God. Because his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of this life or the pain in life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. We're ending a little bit early this morning, but that's okay. The last thing I want to tell you is a simple 
but powerful statement that Dad pretty much ended every radio broadcast with and the last line of every church bulletin. Jesus Christ is still the hope of the world. Don't put your hope in anything you can touch. You might have the most amazing job right now to be rolling in the dough, as they say. That's awesome. But it can be gone tomorrow. But what I have is a sure, steadfast hope. He is immovable. It does not matter what I face, what my kids face, what my grandchildren will face. He is the source of our hope. I've never faced anything too big that he couldn't handle and too small that he didn't care about. I said one week as much as William H. loved me as a dad. Oh, the love that my Heavenly Father has for me and he has for you. So I hope that you've enjoyed this class. I hope that in the weeks to come you remember the things that we've talked about. Ponder on them. There was an old song that said, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Oh, it tells me of his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. There's more promises than I could ever tell you. So we just hit a few. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are that hope that is unshakable. No matter what we're facing, God, you are there. I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be in class with these people and speak of your goodness and speak of your kindness. Lord, I just pray that you would touch each and every one of them. I pray that you would touch them individually. I pray that you would touch their families. I pray, as my dad did, touch them spiritually, physically, and financially. You know our needs even before we ask. Lord, we just ask you to be with us at 11 o'clock. If there's one that does not know you, then Lord, we ask you to do the work today. If there's one here that's sick in body, we ask you, God, to restore and bring health as only you can. Touch those who are in turmoil in their minds and give them peace that passes all understanding. Father, we just thank you for who you are and for what you mean to us and for what you're doing in our lives now and what you're going to do in the future. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.